What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Okay, everyone. This is part two of a two-part series with Jordan Wigger, owner of Low Country Barbell Club. This is your host, Dr. Hannah Briel. So Low Country Barbell Club just opened their own space. It's on the edge of Goose Creek in North Charleston, and they have everything from Olympic lifting, powerlifting, sports performance, functional fitness classes, and individualized programming, and open gym. So for part two today, we're talking about technique, efficiency under the bar, what attracted Jordan to weightlifting, and what makes him mad about CrossFit. My favorite quote from today's episode from Jordan, do you want to be really good in two to three years, or do you want to be mediocre for a few more months? So we discussed the things that health and fitness professionals could do a lot better job at. We discussed how to get a better BS monitor, implicit bias in education, and how perfect form doesn't actually exist. We also talk about Jordan's vision for Low Country Barbell Club. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. What attracted you to weightlifting? Like, I know you wanted to get strong, but like, there's a lot of ways to get strong. Mm -hmm. Why did you fall in love with Olympic weightlifting? I think the complexity of it, initially, it seemed like this like forbidden art. You know what I mean? You see like a John North catching or hit and catch drill video on YouTube from like years and years ago. And then in the comments, there's people arguing about whether this is correct or not. And you're like, well, this guy snatches like 330 pounds. How can he not know? And then you go and look and you find out there's like a 15 Chinese, Chinese year old chick. That's 15 year old Chinese, 15 year old Chinese chick that's snatching the same exact thing. Right. And so you realize that there's this huge wealth of knowledge and information that's out there that is not like general public knowledge, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened and I figured that out, I was just like ravenous. I could not get enough information. I read a bunch of translated Russian books on training. Yeah, I know. What? I read literally anything I could get my hands on. And some of it was garbage, right? I'm going to make some people mad. Louis Simmons is a really good coach for multiply powerlifting. Louis Simmons is a garbage coach for Olympic weightlifting because he tries to coach it like it's multiply powerlifting, right? But I, I read his stuff. and What is multiply? Multiply is... Uh, 
Multiply is where you wear oh. a singlet and yeah. briefs usually or a bench shirt whenever you're doing squat bench deadlift. Um, there are different federations for powerlifting. It's yeah. kind of like boxing where it's kind of fractured into a bunch of alphabet organizations. No, I know what you're talking about. I've yeah, seen that. Yeah. I know exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk smack about multiply. It's not what I'm here to do today. <laughs> not today. We'll not save that for another we'll episode. Save it, we'll save it for another time. But, um, yeah, multiply powerlifting is just a different way of, of training for powerlifting. Okay. <clears throat> um, I think the biggest problem is a lot of people look at multiply and think that you're supposed to use that way of training for raw powerlifting, which I kind of disagree with. Because multiply, you're trying to practice the skill of getting the most help from the suit and yeah. the briefs or the bench shirt. And in raw powerlifting, you don't have any of those things. So in a... Should be completely different. Uh, maybe not completely different, but the goal should be different. In multiply, you get the most help out of the bottom of the hole. So it makes more sense to do stuff with bands and chains so that the most weight is at the top. It makes sense that way, right? If that's the sport you're competing for, that's, that's a good way to train for it. Now, in raw powerlifting, the argument can be made that the weakest part of the whole movement is probably when you're at the bottom of the squat, for example, right? Bench is another thing, but at the bottom of the squat, if I'm training for raw lifting, I should not be training with bands and chains most of the time because the hardest part of the squat is probably going to be out of the hole mm-hmm. instead of at the top. So instead of feeling the most weight at the top, I should be training to get better at coming out of the hole. It just doesn't make sense. So Louis, he, in my view, he took all of the training methodologies from multiply and tried to apply it to Olympic weightlifting mm-hmm. and it made no sense. Olympic weightlifting is more about timing and tempo than it is about like speed. People are like, speed under the bar. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to be fast. You just need to time it right. You need to peak the bar at the same time you want to catch the bar. But if you're just trying to move crazy fast, then the bar might not even peak. Or you might peak it and then pull yourself so far mm-hmm. under that it crashes or in a snatch you pull the bar back down on you. The timing and the tempo is more important than any of the other stuff. Oh, man. You would blast my, my lifting form, wouldn't you? Maybe. I wouldn't be mean about it. Yeah. I have a hard time believing I'd that. I'd be like, that was really good. But let's just fix a couple things but real like, quick. But let's like, do it completely uh, different. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Max Ada has this bumper sticker that I need. He's a weightlifting coach for Juggernaut Training Systems, right? He's a really high-level coach. But uh, he's got some shirts and stuff that say, like, do it again, but less shitty. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, when you have CrossFitters that Mm. come to you Mm. because they want to get better at snatching and clean and jerking. Yes. What is that like? Well, the first question is, did they take the level one for CrossFit? That's the first question I ask. Because if they did, I'm going to tell them to forget all of it. That's the first thing I'm going to say. The CrossFit Level 1 course has not been updated for like 10 frigging years. And it makes me so mad. But that's the first thing that I do. The second thing that I do is I tell them that all the stuff you've heard about putting all the weight in your heels is wrong. Yeah. Like across the board, just don't do that. Like oh my god I yes <laughs> yeah yes. there's a lot of reasons well, I why I put all the weight in my heels and push my butt back mm, yeah and they're like falling over well ultimately like you want to move efficiently right and it's less about my body moving efficiently and more about the bar moving efficiently because if you're really good you're gonna have more weight on the bar than you weigh so mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do anytime that I'm coaching somebody with Olympic weightlifting is getting them to move the bar as high as it can go with as little energy as possible. 
because it's a skill, right? If it were a strengthening exercise, that's a different discussion. That's why squats are a thing in Olympic weightlifting to get your legs stronger as opposed to the lifts being how you get your legs stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, can you do that with like volume and stuff? Absolutely. Would it be specific strength towards the movement if I'm giving volume clean and jerks? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, my goal is to get you to peak the bar as high as you can while the bar moves as straight as it can, and then you're going to move around it. The biggest problem with CrossFit is when you come up with the weight in the heels and you start to drive on the bar, that weight's going to shift to the toes, which creates natural forward momentum, and then the bar is going to take that momentum forward. Now the bar is not moving as straight as it can anymore, so we're less efficient, which means we're wasting energy. So usable strength that would normally go towards moving more weight on the bar is now going towards moving the weight away from me. Now the weight's going away and has momentum. I got to stop that momentum and then I got to pull it back on me, which takes more energy. And now it's got backwards momentum, so I got to stop it again and then I got to catch it, right? That's what I do when I snap. That <laughs> way you just snap. <laughs> That's how I Just a little loopy, you know, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and on top of that with snatching, is it easier to catch a bar if it's moving? Maybe a little bit, but it kind of comes up and then rests for a second and I catch it. Or is it easier to catch it while it's flying backwards at like 0.25 meters yeah, yeah, per second? Not that one. Exactly. Right? So That's where you fail behind your head. Yeah. Yeah. So not only is the lift more efficient, but it's also easier to stabilize because the bar has less unnecessary movement all over the place and I don't have to balance that. So it sounds like a lot of CrossFitters that want to get better at Olympic weightlifting have to change a lot of the ways that they were Olympic weightlifting. Yes. How hard is that for the athlete? Like, how long does it take for you to, one, like, finally get used to the new way, and two, start to move maybe even the same weight you were moving before, but actually move it in a better it way? It depends on how long you've been doing it and how bad your technique is oh, from God, the jump. I need to start now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is... This is this is gonna sound dumb. This is why I really like coaching kids because kids yeah. are a different size. Their body's a different size every couple months. They can't really form bad oh. habits, right? But adults can form bad habits mm-hmm. super easily. If somebody's been crossfitting for ten years and they've always put their weight in their heels, stripper butted up, and then humped the bar super far forward, and then caught it and bent arms overhead with their feet five feet apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Patrick Star, you know, mm-hmm. star fishing it out. And they've been doing that for years. It's going to take a while to fix. Yeah. And they're going to be super mad at me a lot because I'm not going to let them do anything above a certain percentage for a long time. Because at the beginning, when you're trying to retool that stuff, the quality of the movement is more important than the weight on the bar. Which, you know, is hard for people. Especially if you're used to being a higher level competitor and I'm saying, hey, we're not going above 60% for like two months. And you're Ooh. Like, and I get it, right? I understand. But you want to play the long game or you want to be okay for a little bit longer (laughs) you want to be really good in like two or three years i'm like really strong and like or do you want to be mediocre for a few more months yeah exactly that's the question (laughs) that's a great question well i mean and that's the thing if if you want to just be good for a couple if you want to be move the way you are for a couple more months that's fine don't come talk to me Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's not me trying to be harsh. It's just if you're not willing to put in the time and the work to change and to be consistent with it, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're coming to me or if you're using Invictus weightlifting program or it, it does not matter if you're not willing to make the changes and stick to what's going to be best in the long run. 
then you're never going to get there in the first place. Mm, honestly, you could say that for PT. You could say that for anything. Yeah. Like, I if you're not going to make the changes that are going to be beneficial to you in not just two weeks, mm-hmm. or not just after you walk out of this room, but in a few years, like, yeah. what are the things that are going to actually impact your life? If you don't want to do that, because that's hard, mm-hmm. then probably not the best fit. Yeah. And it's just going to be frustrating for everyone involved. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating for you because you're going to feel like you're not making progress. It's going to be frustrating for your coach or your PT because they're going to be trying to help you. Like, I'm here to help you, but if you don't listen, then I can't do my job. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you're... that's the, I think that's the biggest thing out of all of it is people are like, I just feel like I'm not getting any better. Well, you haven't been here in two weeks. Or you're not listening to the feedback that I give you. Or... Uh, you're going over the prescribed percentages or mm-hmm. whatever, right? And I'm not saying that it's always the person's fault. There are t- plenty of times when I mess up, right? And I overprogram something or I don't address an issue that needs to be addressed. But I would say that the thing that stands in most people's way, if you're a general, like a CrossFitter who's trying to get better at Olympic weightlifting, is you got to accept the fact that you have to move differently and that you're not going to move the same weight for a little bit of while. Bergeron... While I disagree with him about a lot of different things about training. Like what? We'll talk about that in a little time. Okay, then I'll (laughs) I'll write it down. (laughs) Yeah. He has a really good quote talking about snatching. And I think he was talking to Brooke Wells about it. And this was a while ago. Back when, probably like 2018, 2019. Doesn't really matter. But anyways, he says, technique is like you're swimming in a lake that's covered in ice. And there's a hole somewhere in the ice, Right. And with your really crappy technique or the technique you've had for forever and you can't PR anymore and so you're frustrated, you're at the ice and you're just beating against mm-hmm. it with your fist, right? You don't have any tools to get past it. It's just thick layer of ice. You're just stuck there. You're not going to go anywhere. What you should do is swim down. So if the height that you're at is the amount of weight that you can lift mm-hmm. and you're stuck at the ice and you're at this maximal load and you can't get any better, swim down. Reduce the load and look around and figure out where is the hole that I can swim through the ice and get through this barrier, this plateau, whatever. Where is that? Swim down, look around, find it, and then go that way. You might not find it right away. You might swim down and look for a couple minutes and not be, you know, might not be very happy about it. You might, you know, you might be impatient. You might be, I mean, we're swimming underwater. Let's say you're running out of breath. Yeah, you're probably drowning. You, know, you just, just got to hang I'm out there. I'm just cold, Jordan. I've been in the flame for a while. <laughs> but Get the whole out. point of it is you're not going to break through the ice. Look around and figure out where's the hole. Where do I get through? How do I get better? Not by trying to bash my head through this barrier, but by being smart. Which, like, for Brooke Wells, she did move pretty poorly. Yeah, And she, she did. moved a lot better a few weeks ago at semifinals. Uh-huh. And, like, at some point, like, you look at these people, and this is obviously a conversation that, like, Rachel and I have a lot of the time is, do you really want to change the way that they move? Because, like, they're lifting this much. It's serving them well here. But what is it taking away from them? Like, it's not a pain thing. It's not an injury thing. Obviously, whatever. We know that. Yep. You can strip her booty and still... Snatch 190 or even less Yeah, yes. but what if you could do 210? What if you could do three, not three, two, uh, 250? Like, do you, what is it worth? Do you want, like you said, like, do you want to be mediocre for a few more months or do you want to be in the long run a lot better? Mm-hmm. And for CrossFitters, especially too, if you're cycling a bar and you're moving that bar mm-hmm. forward and backwards, three inches every single time you do a clean, how much energy are you wasting? Tons. 
tons. If you want to be really good at CrossFit and you want to be really good at bar cycling, the first thing you need to do is learn how to move the bar in a straight line. End of discussion. Once you do that, then you can talk about, okay, now we need to increase work capacity or all that other stuff, but you're just wasting energy. You could even get in better shape, right, and be stronger, Mm -hmm. but you won't lift more weight or you won't be able to cycle the barbell any better because the inefficiency is what's holding you back, not the strength level or any of the other stuff. It's just that you're wasting so much energy that you're never going to be able to move more. Well, and let's say, like, you get to the point where you're not getting any fitter or any stronger, because you're wasting so much energy that you're not able to do this weight. You're not able to push this. You're not able to complete this workout or this event because of the way that you you move. It's like when someone rows for the first time, like you know. You're like, you don't know how to row. And it's so inefficient. They're pulling like 400. They're just going like back and forth. It's like the typical wellness center rower. And I'm like, what are you getting out of this? I think that's why people think that they just want to row for 15 minutes. Like you're doing it right. Don't think you want to do it for 15 minutes. But the first thing is like, okay, let's first teach you how to move so that you can actually create a lot of force and power. Mm -hmm. And now that 12 calories takes you 40 seconds instead of two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, now your heart rate's higher. Now you can do more work. You can get more work done and boom. Yeah, exactly. And that's a little bit of a separate discussion because now we're talking about force production, Mm. right? But the technique is part of that too, like learning how to hold tension in the right way and learning how to get muscles to work together by holding tension in the correct spots, things like that, right? If somebody has loose lats when they're coming up for a snatch or a clean and then they hit the bar, the bar's going to come out because there's always going to be some forward movement no matter what, right? But if my lats are tight, then that force is going to be directed upwards. You see two linemen hitting each other on the line in a football game, they hit and they come up, right? If I have a backwards force on the bar from my lats and then forward force from the hips and then they meet and the bar is going to come straighter as opposed to just kicking way out in front of me. Learning how to hold tension in different spots in your body is going to be how you learn to produce more force because the muscles are going to work better together than if you just try to separate them. Yeah. Man, it's so complicated. There's a lot of variables. (laughs) I want to know, like, so obviously at this point, like, you know a good amount of like health and fitness professionals and you're obviously like in this world in Charleston what is something that health professionals like me as a PT what is something that we can do better mm. I was unprepared for this question well of course you were of course gonna, you guys are just doing such a good job secret um hmm I don't know I'd have to think about it, but I think you guys are doing a really good job right now as it is. Maybe not even us. Like, help, like, when you think of, like, (laughs) health and, the health and fitness people of, I don't know, the world, not even Charleston, like, what maybe barriers are you always, like, fighting against? What what false beliefs? Like, what Um, could we be doing better to make your job not only easier, but for you, so you can help more people? I think the first thing is... There's a lot of people that don't really call out BS. And there's also a lot of people that don't research when they hear stuff. If oh, somebody, God, if yeah. I'm talking with somebody and they're like, oh, I heard this, this, and that. And I have never heard that before. The first thing I'm probably going to do when I have some free time is go look it up. Right? The first thing that I'm going to do. The other thing is not... A, just because something is written out there on the internet on bodybuilding.com or something doesn't mean that it's actually good. Right? For the same reason... 
Louis Simmons. It, like everything requires context. Louis Simmons is probably one of the best multiply powerlifting coaches you're ever going to find ever, but he's not a good Olympic weightlifting coach. All of that stuff requires context. So you can't just read it and be like, oh, this is good. I should listen to what this person says. Or CrossFit says I should put all my weight in my heels when I back squat. Like, but CrossFit's so good and they're like this big organization. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you stop listening to CrossFit and listen to the actual experts? Who are the top powerlifting coaches in the world? Who are the top Olympic weightlifting coaches in the world? What information are they putting out about that specific thing that you want to get better at? Stop listening to Joe Schmo. Don't even listen to me, right? Don't listen to me about Olympic weightlifting. Go listen to Juggernaut. Go listen to Mash Elite Performance. Go listen to Catalyst Athletics. There's so many options out there and people that are putting out good content. Zach T. Lander is another really good option if you want to learn more about Olympic weightlifting. Don't like go and look at it. Go and find reliable sources of information that are not feeding you BS and stop listening to people who are talking about things that they don't know things about. I don't give people nutrition advice because I'm not a nutritionist. Do I have a general idea of how it works? Yeah. But if somebody's like, can you look at my diet? I'm like, mm, you need somebody else. I'm not the person, right? Stop listening to people that are not experts in the field that they're trying to talk about, right? Are you going to listen to a bodybuilder about how you should squat? Probably not, right? I don't know if I'm going to listen to a bodybuilder. Like, I just, I don't... Well, I mean, if you're a bodybuilder, you probably want to listen to a bodybuilder, right? That's fair. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Everybody is... You get stuck in thinking that this one person has all the answers about everything, and Mm -hmm. they don't, right? If I have somebody that wants to get really good at um, strongman stuff, Mm -hmm. the first thing I'm going to go do is go and look at... Uh, Alec Jose's Instagram and see what he's doing to train people. I'm, I'm not going to be trying to draw from places that are not... I'm not going to go and take the CrossFit weightlifting course or the CrossFit strongman course to try and figure out how to train those people because CrossFit is CrossFit. It's not Olympic weightlifting or strongman. Why am I going to go do that? It, that's the stuff that bothers me probably more than anything else. Like, go to the experts and stop, stop trying to put something at the pinnacle of everything. Because there's nothing out there that's like that. Well, I think, too, with the world that we live in now where all this information is at our fingertips, Mm -hmm. if you can't critically reason through it and think, is this BS? Like, if your BS monitor does not go off, you need to be a better BS monitor. Well, and the thing is, too, there are resources, right? If I'm reading an article about PT stuff, right, because I have somebody with an elbow that's bothering them, and I'm not sure that this is reliable or not. You know what I'm going to do? I'll probably send it over to you or send it over to Rachel and be like, hey, what I'm reading is this. Is this the same? Are you reading this the same way that I am? Right? There are resources out there. If you're not sure if somebody knows what they're talking about and you want to send me a video of them talking about something about Olympic weightlifting, oh, I am yeah. more than happy to look at it and be like, this is good information or this person's stupid. You shouldn't listen to them. Right? Don't send me anything by Lifts because I'm going to trash you. Okay, I don't even but know that But you is. don't want to, okay? I probably okay. shouldn't even say their name on the, on the podcast right? and yeah. giving them free clout right I now. I know, exactly. If you follow Lift, don't. Um, <laughs> I will honestly follow them now. Just because of that? Yeah, I want to see what the BS is. Yeah, it's helpful yeah. to know. That's that's true, too. Sometimes to figure out the right stuff, you need to know what the wrong stuff yes. is. Like I was talking to Eve about this earlier. I would never understand stress, recovery, load, capacity, capacity, movement, optimism if I first didn't experience all the really bad that's stuff, fair. all the stuff that's wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you only know what's right when you know what's wrong first. And then yeah. once you know something that's wrong, you can look at a bunch of stuff and be like, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Oh, 
this doesn't have all the other warning signs that this thing has. I'm going to pay more attention to this and see what this We're is. always trying to prove things wrong. Like yeah. We're always trying to figure out, does this theory actually work? Yeah. So we should, we should call out BS more. I definitely agree with that. I mean, and I know a lot of people love it, but Squat University is a perfect example of this. Yeah. Is it good because he's encouraging more people to squat? Yes, absolutely, right? Like, we want that. But... Trying to say that moving in a certain way is going to cause an injury is not backed by science. Plain, simple, right? You can sit there and be like, well, he justifies it like this. I don't care, right? If the research doesn't support that statement, then that's all anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. The only time you rely on anecdotal evidence is when there's no research. But there is research. So mm -hmm. stop sitting there and trying to explain away this theory when the research doesn't support it. It's just That's it, right? Well, there's just also, like, I don't see the benefit of being so wrong and also like inflammatory and provocative and like if you have a great platform to get people to lift and to move more just like that's great just stop there like yeah. why do you now need to make it all of these like nocebos and I know like you don't do that on purpose but also if you know anything about this field you understand that's what you're doing yeah I don't know I, I don't I'm not going to prescribe nefarious like motivations to him because I don't yeah. think anybody really want, is trying to do stuff in a bad way. Exactly. I think in his mind, he's thinking, I'm helping. I'm. You see it in his post all the time. I'm trying to fight the good fight, right? He had a, a post a long time ago about lifter A squats 650 pounds with a slight knee cave and some hip shift. Lifter B squats 500 pounds and it looks perfect. Now, perfect is a relative term anyways, right? Because nobody's technique is going to be the same because they're going to be built differently. Yeah. Right, exactly. But, and then he's like, which one is better? Yeah, exactly. And also, you don't know that person's percent. Yeah. You don't know anything. You yeah. just know someone's doing 650 and someone's doing 500. Yeah. Was that the 500 person? Was that even their max? Yeah. We don't even know. Well, yeah. And lifter who's doing 650 could probably easily drop down to 500 and do it like beautifully and make it look better than the person who lifted 500 you know the, the other comparison whatever it's just and then after people duped it out in the comments and was like this is a dumb comparison mm -hmm. his next post was I won't stop my work obviously I need to do more things uh, like, yeah. like okay bro we hear you right like you're yeah. trying to say the technique is important and it is right like you should be trying to move in a good way you should be trying I don't want to say good and bad in an efficient way yeah. right you should be trying to do that because that's going to eventually maximize the amount of stress that you can receive and therefore maximize recovery and adaptation. All the things that we just talked about. That's the goal. Not to move in some perfect, I'm doing air quotes because you mm -hmm. can't see me, but I'm doing the, the fake huggies right now. Perfect way because it doesn't exist. It's not, that's not how things work. And humans aren't made like that. The strongest weightlifter ever. So the person with the strongest Wilkes. No, not Wilkes because that's powerlifting. Come on, get it right. Naeem Suleimanalu, right? What? Naeem Suleimanalu. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's a video of him somewhere weighing 60 kilograms. I think this is at a World Championships or Olympics. I forget which. Weighing 60 kilograms, so about 132 pounds, and clean and jerking 190 or 195. 190 is 418. 195 is like 429 or something. Four, yeah, that sounds right. 429. Oof. Weighing 132, right? When he catches the bar in the clean, his hips shift to the right, like a huge yeah. amount, and then he stands up. 
Does that mean that he's not balanced or he's not strong or he's not a good athlete or that he's probably going to get injured? No, it means none of those things. It means that because he split jerks, one side of his hip is stronger mm. than the other. Mm. And so whenever he stands up the squat, it's easier and more efficient for him to shift more load onto that side. Is he going to get hurt? Probably not. Should he do that weight? Well, he just did it. He just did it. And I mean, had literally the highest... Across weight classes, they use a formula mm -hmm. to compile things and figure out who's the strongest because it's like best overall lifter or whatever. He's the only person with above 500 in that category, right? Nobody else is there. Lasha might hit it soon. Who's the guy from Georgia who's mm -hmm. an absolute freak? And we can talk about him some other time too. But it's a perfect example of how saying that hip shift or this or that mm -hmm. is bad and going to cause injury. Naeem is not going to get to that level by getting injured all the time with this what you would yeah. say crappy technique, right? That that wouldn't happen. He would get hurt. He wouldn't be able to train. He would lose out on gains. Your evidence is not there. It's anecdotal when you bring it up that way, but it's also flawed because the research doesn't support it. And you acting like your anecdotal evidence is better than the research is bullshit. When you oh say, oh my god, Jordan, that's almost every PT. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I have I have clinical. I have I've been I've been in the field for years. I have clinical expertise. That's better than research. I mean, there's people, there are people that are against evidence-based clinicians because they think only, you know, using, it's not like you only use evidence, but evidence is your foundation. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, why, why else are we doing things if it's not evidence-based? But there are people that are saying, like, you aren't treating your patients well because you're not using, honestly, I mean, BS techniques. You're just using evidence. And that doesn't make sense. Like, what if someone was like, Jordan, you are a bad coach because you are using techniques that get people better and that have been backed by research. You're like, yeah, that's a, that's a whole point. Yeah. Not like, oh, well, Sally had a great experience with hip shift fixing it. And now she's out of pain. Well, what about all the other reasons she's out of pain? What about the fact that people get out of pain because of natural progression. No, 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 no. It was because you pressed on her hip and then you told <laughs> her to sit back in her heels. It's like we are constantly trying to take credit and find, I mean, that's humans, like find a, yeah. a cause for the effect when there's so many causes. Yeah. And it's like in the research, which, what we see is that we don't know why so much of this quote unquote works. And what yeah. even is works? <sighs> I mean, I don't understand how you're going to be a PT and go to school. And when you're going through school, how many papers did you have to read? How many? Honestly, not enough. Okay. I mean, so maybe then that's the issue, right? That is the issue. The research that we read is is chosen by, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, and people have gotten pissed at me. But oh, the, I heard about the that. so you're supposed to teach for boards, but the problem is boards are super behind, like and also. Evidence, like what we practice, is super behind from what's currently being put out in the research. Yes. It's normally like 10 years behind. Okay. And so we're in this really shitty middle ground of where we're teaching things that are super outdated. And so we also have articles that are super outdated and are outdated, outdated, like, or they're just or not, they're not quality articles. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I was not, thankfully, I was not taught that modalities are a great thing at all. Yeah. It's because our, our professor for that was like extremely biased against them. Okay. Um, so that was helpful. But when you have people teaching, 
you bring in bias. If I am going to teach a course on how to be a PT, it is going to look extremely different than maybe someone who's 40 years older than me yeah. or maybe a manual therapist. Yeah. And so now you have that implicit bias and now you have articles that I've chosen for because me to support. So I want you to learn the way that I treat and yeah. do that because I think it's best because we're all trying to help people the best that we can. Yeah. And so it's just everything is... It's hard when everything is biased. Okay, well, then you go to the foundation of research. What does research show? And that comes right back to what we talked about earlier about dropping your ego mm. whenever somebody's giving you stuff. Stop thinking about what is best for me and what does the research and the science and the evidence say, right? There's plenty of things. Let me find a good example because there's something that happened recently, right? Type 2X athletes don't need the same kind of GPP training that non-type 2X athletes need. What is type 2X? Type 2X is muscle fiber types. So oh. type 1, this is like a general kind of, there are some people that are going to be like, you're not being nuanced with this. But type 1 is generally like, um, I almost rule related to like sports. Like type 1 is going to be somebody who runs cross country that they're going to yeah, okay. heavily favor that fiber type because that's the way that they train, right? Type 2A is explosive but also somewhat oxygenated. And type 2X is like a sprinter, right? Um, think about uh, high jumpers or, I mean, Olympic weightlifters are a good, a good example of this too, right? Bringing it back. JJ, type 2X. When we do GPP for JJ, it looks wildly different than it does for everybody else, right? JJ's GPP, because he's a powerlifter, is Olympic weightlifting. He wants to do both. And so it just happens that the good GPP for powerlifting is weightlifting and the good GPP for weightlifting is powerlifting because of his fiber type, right? He doesn't need sets of 8 to 12 to get his muscles to get bigger, right? That's Part of it is he can move so much that that's going to probably most of the time be more than he should do anyways. But because of his fiber type, he needs to get better at using those fibers mm -hmm. while he's lifting. And that doesn't mean doing 8 to 12. That means doing like four to six and measuring the bar speed. Mm. That the, more, the most recent stuff mm -hmm. is about what's the velocity of the bar and what percentage of that, like if his top yeah. single for a back squat is 0.15 meters per second, then for him to get into a spot where we're gonna be actually building more muscle and doing hypertrophic work for his legs, then there's a certain range that I'm looking for that I want the bar speed to move, right? And it depends on when does it start to slow down. It's really what it is. It's how fast can he move 60%, right? And then we figure out when does that start to slow down to this certain range, and then we program to try to find that range, basically. Now, there's apps that I can use to track that on the phone. Sometimes you have to eyeball it. it it's more tools are required to do that sort of thing, but it's also what is currently in the research now. And so... Initially, I thought that everybody needed the same exact kind of GPP, which was sets of 8 to 12, 65 mm -hmm. to 75%, blah, 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 right? But that's not the case. How do you know their fiber types unless you measure So if you don't get it biopsied, uh -huh. then it's – you kind of have to guess. And I don't mean that as in guessing like, oh, this fellow looks nice and muscular. Yeah. He can jump kind of high. I think he's a this, right? <laughs> It's the same sort of thing we talked about with people's MRVs. If I've been training somebody for a while, you get an idea about it, right? JJ's max squat is faster than probably any of my squats could ever be unless I didn't have a bar on my back, which is one indication that he's type 2X. He can jump like crazy, right? And he's naturally gifted at doing the Olympic lifts. His power production is through the roof. 
the number one type of fiber mm-hmm. that lends itself to those kinds of activities is type 2X. What so are you really good at with type 2A? Type 2A is going to be more like uh, soccer players are going to have, be pretty heavily type 2A. It's going to be, I need to do something that's power production, mm-hmm. but also oxygenated. So uh, soccer players, cyclists are also going to be a good option for that. Now, there's a little bit of give and take with that because a long distance cyclist might mm-hmm. more be type 1. But um, if you have like a time trial cyclist, that's a really good example of somebody who's going to have a lot of type 2A fibers. Um, so, see, like, obviously, like, we learned about five muscle fibers in not even PT school in yeah. exercise science, but, like, how do we apply that? I don't know. you got to go get a PhD in muscle fiber yeah. to figure it out to learn. Well, you don't need... Yeah, you I just know. Will, yeah, but I it's also it. super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, the more I can learn, the better. Yeah, and when I say that, I don't mean that that's the only muscle fiber type, because there's people that are going to hear this and be like... They're going to freak out. There's people that are going to freak out no matter if you say well, this is all. Well, this is all just me saying general stuff, right? Like, that soccer player might have heavily type 2A, but that's because the activity that they're doing is going to lend to yeah. having more type 2A fibers, mm-hmm. and so that fiber type is going to grow in their muscles mm-hmm. more than the other fiber types. Everybody's going to be predisposed to having a certain ratio based on genetics, mm-hmm. right? Some people are just genetic freaks who are going to have more of one kind than another, which means that your top-level marathoners are probably going to have a shit ton of type 1 fibers, and they're... You see what I'm saying, yeah. right? There's going to be a predisposition that everybody's going to have, and the way that you train is going to dictate what fiber tends to get more work and then grows therefore, like yeah. from that training. And like it being, it being that genetics does play a huge role. Like how many marathoners are doing Olympic lifting, but would be better at doing marathons? It's funny that you say that though, because there was some recent stuff, probably within five years with some force plate measuring and some trap bar deadlifts and some stuff that they did with the guy who ran in the Boston Marathon. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I want to say that he was like not even top 20. And then they, he didn't run anything more than like 15 miles in a single session for a long time. But what they did is they measured how long his stride was and without increasing the turnover rate, how much longer would he need to step every Mm -hmm. single step to get whatever time he wanted. And then they used some formulas and did some fancy math to figure out how much stronger his legs needed to be to do that. And his training was for that instead of running. And then he smashed his personal best. So the conversation about if a runner would needs Olympic weightlifting or lifting in general to get better at it, that's entirely dependent on what their training looks like right now. Most runners probably don't need more running. They probably need more strength. That's, I would say, like, I would argue that most runners need less running and more strength work, more power work, whatever that looks like for their needs. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. You asked me a question before that, and I got completely off subject. Did I? I think you did. Because I was using that for something. (sighs) I don't know. We'll listen to it. We'll figure it out. At this point... I have so many other things that I want to talk about, but we'll have to, we'll save it. Yeah, okay. How we'll long have we been going for? Um, 90 minutes. <laughs> so good okay. for us. This is also just stuff that I'm, I'm really interested in. Yeah. So when do you expect to open? Right now, we're hoping to be able to move everything over um, the weekend after, or the day after Sacred Pine Invitational. Oh, so that's okay. going to be July 18th. Yep. Oh, yeah. God, it's so soon. It's so soon. We haven't practiced any of our workouts. I'm excited because I get to go and watch all of you. Great. It's gonna be, it'll be fun. Me and Rachel, it'll be super yeah. fun. Her overhead squats are looking nice. 
Oh, so, yeah. yeah. She's super happy we about been, it. We've been working on it. We always say, like, it's crazy how when you work on things, you get, you better, get better at them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, when but, you work uh, on your weaknesses. We're hoping to move over there then. Um, we'll start classes and stuff as soon as we get over there. Um, but I'm not really, like, announcing the start of all mm-hmm. the new programs and stuff, probably until August 1st, because there's going to be some other stuff we're going to have to do. Yeah, you know, for Anytime sure. you're moving into a new space, there's going to be things that go wrong that you have to fix or yeah. change or whatever. So I'm hoping that around August 1st, beginning of August, whenever that weekend, there's a weekend around that time period somewhere, mm-hmm. whenever that rolls around is when we'll be ready to go. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be in, announcing all that on Instagram and Facebook. Can we expect a grand opening party? Yes, there will be like a grand opening kind of event. And then I'm also going to host a meet within the first couple months of us being there. Oh, wow. That's going to be super cheap. Um, you do have to be a USAW member to enter the meet, but, um, I'm, I mean, it's not a thing where I'm trying to hike the prices up. I just yeah. want as many people as we can. I mean, we'll make, yeah, we'll make it really cheap to enter and just try to get as many people in the door as we can so we can show people kind of what, like, Hey, we're here. Oh, this is what like. we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, well, thank you so much for this. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm excited to do it again. Yeah. Everyone who's listening, you will continue to hear Jordan's sweet voice. That's right. I'm hoarse right now. So <laughs> I guess you just talk so That's much. Right. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram, find us at Healthy Charleston, leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.